Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. It's that month that you see if you're on social media, you'll see people say, I'm starting my 30 days of gratitude, Thanksgiving. And then, you know, most people say I'm thankful all year long. Um, but Thanksgiving and gratefulness is something that I'm here to tell you that we can all have no matter what season of life we're in. And uh, this is not exactly all that my lesson's going to be about today, but um, I just felt it on my heart. I started <laughs> and have already failed. You know, um, I told my husband, I don't know if it was last week or when, but I told him not only am I going to try to be extra thankful this month, but I was going to try to have a month of no complaining, and I have failed. <laughs> um, just as sure as you speak something out, then you're going to really be tested. And so I'm just being transparent as I always am, and I have failed more than once. <laughs> um and I'm here to tell you that just because you're going through something that you're hurting and you are grieving doesn't mean that you're unthankful. It doesn't mean that you're ungrateful. Those two can coexist. And sometimes I feel like we feel a lot of pressure to always be this vibrant, thankful, happy person to, to make people believe that we're grateful. And I've learned a lot the last couple of years and just speaking with different people. But I just want to speak a moment just on this, and I do have something else. But I just felt this in my spirit just to touch on. Um, but let me get to my notes. Gratitude. If you see gratitude as something that happens to you because of your circumstances, it might seem like it's really out of reach because our circumstances, a lot of time, we have a hard time seeing something to be grateful for. Amen? It's called life. Now, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not going to stand up here with my face plastered on a fake smile and tell you that life is just a bunch of roses and that you should be smiling and grateful and all that all the time. If I'm supposed to be doing that, then I'm up here. I can't be up here, Pastor. <laughs> because life isn't always a bed of roses. But I am here to tell you that you can still be grateful um, in that time of those hard, hard times. Gratitude isn't a feeling that materializes in response to your circumstances. You have to practice it. And even if you feel that you have little to be grateful for this year, you can still find gratitude. Um, not too long ago, well, now it's been several years, and I hope I can remember the name of the book. Sister Sandy might have to help me. Is it A Thousand Gifts? I shared this book with Sister Sandy, and it stems from the author who lost her sister. as She was very young. Um, when she was young, she suffered a great loss on their family farm. She witnessed her baby sister being ran over and killed in front of her and she struggled for years with pain from that from seeing it and that and then somehow and she's always loved God and served God um, but the Lord started dealing with her and she wrote this book called a thousand gifts 
And what this was, was she felt compelled to every day write down one thing to be grateful for. And I shared that with Sister Sandy. And I remember at the time, I need to get the book back out and reread it. But I remember how it, 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 it enlightened me to things to be thankful for. And I remember at that moment that I was thinking about this, I walked out on our deck over on Pickens Drive. And I could smell the laundry coming through the vent. And I love the smell of fresh laundry. And I remember in this whole season of me really thinking about things to be grateful for, I remember saying out loud, thank you, God, that I can smell that. And so what it does is it just makes us more aware of things that we can be grateful for, even though we're suffering and even though we have something that's really hard that we're facing, we can still somewhere inside of us find something and write it down. I want to challenge you all. I did this with the ladies a few years ago. I want to challenge you, not just in the month of of November during Thanksgiving season, but maybe every day, write down one thing that you can tell God you're thankful for. And see what it does to your spirits. Um, Giving thanks, um, it helps us be better people. Over 2,000 years ago, um, someone wrote that gratitude is not only the greatest, but is also the parent of all the other virtues. Modern research shows that he was probably right. Gratitude can make us more generous with others, more patient. Who could stand to have a little more patience? And less materialistic. Now, it's okay to be grateful for things. I'm going to tell you, when I get in a car and it's really, really hot and my air condition comes on, see, until I got married, all my cars, none of them had air condition. And I remember getting ready for church. And back in the day, you know, I wanted to doll myself up for a certain young man. And I'd curl my hair and I'd get in the car and it'd be so hot. By the time I got to church, my hair would be wilted and I was sweaty and I wanted to cry. So guess what? I find myself, seriously, sometimes when I get in my car, I will say out loud, thank you, God, for this cold air condition. Um, So there's nothing wrong with being thankful for material things at all. That's not what I'm saying. I think we should be thankful and grateful. I've told the young people many times, everything that you have on your body right now, every piece of clothes, you might think it's because of your parents or because of your job or it's because of God. So I think it's okay to say, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for shoes on my feet. I'm thankful for that I can wear glasses to help me see better. <laughs> Gratitude also appears to be at least partially under our control. Even if we're not feeling grateful, we can muster up something. Our brain can tell us something to be thankful for. Researchers have shown that you can call it into existence by choosing to focus on the things for which you are grateful instead of the negative things. The, they did a, a, a study a, a, in a book they talk about. They did four, four psychologists randomly split a sample of 153 human subjects into groups that were assigned to either remember something they were grateful for or think about something unrelated. The grateful remembering group experienced more than five times as much positive emotion as the control group. There is power to being grateful and thankful. The obvious implication from the research is that you should start a gratitude list immediately, regardless of your feelings. At first, it takes some effort, but as scholars have shown, it gets easier as it becomes a habit. Here are a few other do's and don'ts to get the most out of your thankful heart and what you should and shouldn't do. I'm going to focus on the do's. Spend time every morning 
when you get up, purpose in your heart. Okay, let's just say for this month only, but I promise you, I think it'll grow and you won't just want to do it in November. But in the morning time, your prayer time, whenever, but just say, Lord, I'm thankful and write it down physically. Okay, I'm going to use, uh, Brother Will, will you help me? Brother Jason, I copied this off. There's all kinds of these lists. If you want to do some over there. Um, These are our, this is a gratitude list. It's a challenge. And uh, Sister Michelle Graham had shared this one on Facebook, and I liked it. So if you need an idea, I got to clean my glasses, y'all. Hold on. supposed to do because I have to have them to see this but I have to do this to see you all so in the process they get really dirty so I don't know what to do about this situation but I'm thankful that I have a pair of good glasses that help me see up close (laughs) I'm not trying to make lightheartedness of this seriously because I'm going to be transparent there's days that I feel a lot more negative on me than I do positive. Sure. You need more? He's got most of them. Brother Will, I think he's going to need some more. I'm pretty sure I copied off enough. If I have this problem again, um, let's still be great. Let's still be grateful. <laughs> so. Okay. Do you have enough, Brother Littles? Well, see, I guess I was being a little bit negative, but when Pastor got all the phone calls and texts today, how many people were going to be gone, I, I lowered my number. <laughs> I'm grateful for you. Okay. All right. If we can make more copies real quick, too. This is, just, this is just a fun 30 days of gratitude. Express your gratitude for So if you need ideas of something to be thankful or or grateful for, this is just a little cheat sheet. And there's several that you can get online and look at. But this one I just thought was fun. Um, And we're behind. Today is, what's today's date? The 7th? 6th. Oh, 6th. Okay. So this is day 6. So we got to back up. So this week you got to play catch up, okay? So this is just the first day of November. We're supposed to be thankful for something in the room. So I'm going to tell you, since it says something and not someone, for me, I'm thankful for that piano. Because when I sit down at that piano, whether you all are here or not, that is something that God has given me um, that, that I love to do. I love to play the piano. Number two, be thankful for a person. I'm thankful for my husband, for Emma. A song, the song we sang earlier is one of my very, very favorite songs. I remember being younger and hearing people sing that. I remember my mother-in-law playing the organ and then singing that song. And she would raise her little hand because she was so thankful for God and all he had done. Your favorite season. I've got three favorite seasons. And you'd probably be surprised at the one that's not. I'll tell you, the one that is not my favorite season is summer. So all the other three I love. 
a place that makes you happy. And then today is something in nature. So this is just a little fun thing for you to do. Take this and you can use this. And I think what you will find, I know Sister Sandy and I, we talked about this a lot when we were reading that book. There were many days, many, many days that I didn't just stop with one thing writing on that piece of paper. Because when you start developing an attitude of gratitude, you will be amazed at the things that you might have forgotten somewhere back in here to be thankful for. And um, so that was just my little bitty thing. Um, How many were we short, Brother Littles? Okay, good. So we have another chore for you and Brother Will. We're going to get into this real quick. Brother Will, sorry. Okay. Believe it or not, I have a hard time talking for 30 minutes, so this just kind of breaks it up a little bit. Here you go, Brother Will. I have a whole bunch more of these. I was just going to split them up with you guys. Okay. So I am going to, I don't know how often I speak up here. I, I, I don't know how it works out. But I'm going to start this Bible study, and I may have already done this one publicly with you all. I can't remember. But I've been telling Sister Rebecca about this Bible study. It's a great one to give. But this very first lesson, and you guys will have your um, papers to go along with me, it's on the Word of God. And if I've done this, I feel like I need to do it again. I've got the other ones all ready to go, too. But the reason it's important to start with this is when you're talking to somebody or going to give somebody a Bible study, They have to truly believe the word of God or your Bible study is not going to be relevant at all. It's not going to be effective if they do not truly believe the word of God. And so we're going to talk about the word of God real quick. Um, If we don't get through this, it's very self-explanatory. There's lots of scriptures in here. And I'm going to get this on my handy dandy. I've uh, graduated from my yellow legal pad to using my iPad. I feel pretty young and spiffy. So, and someone just laughed at me because I guess they don't think I'm young and spiffy, but it's okay. All right. The Bible Made Simple is this Bible study, and um, it's a great Bible study. I've been going through it, and so I'm going to start off with the lesson number one. As this world is faced with enormous problems, marital, financial, emotional, and many others, we have to have something that will provide the help and answers that we need. The question is, where do we find this help? The best place we can look is in the word of God. There is a deep desire and thirst within every one of us that can only be satisfied by Christ. I simplify it to so many people and say there's a little spot in your heart that God can only fill. You can do everything that you love to do. You can find hobbies. You can find relationships. You can do anything and everything to make all of yourself full But until you fill that spot that God reserved only for him, you will be empty. You will be void. You will be searching. You will lay your head down at night thinking, why am I still searching for something? Today was filled with something I love to do. Today I was with a lot of people that I really truly love and all this. But you're laying in bed at night still feeling a little dissatisfied. It's because there's a place in your heart that only God himself can fill. The Bible says in John 4, 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The Bible gives us hope of life. It's not life that will wither and die. It's an unbelievable everlasting life. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. The only way we will discover these principles in this life the Lord desires us to have is by opening his book and studying the scriptures. This Bible study is not about the teachings of a church or of a specific religion. It is a simple overview of the word of God. In this first lesson, we are going to do a basic introduction to the Bible. In your own words, what does the Bible mean to you? One thing that I have learned as the older I get, and I heard it when I was young, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. And so if I'm going to rely and lean on something, what better should I do than something that's never going to change and something that's never going to fade away? I want to learn to lean on the word of God. Number one, the journey of the Bible. The start of God's communication. Do you know how God communicated before the Bible? The fascinating story of how we got the Bible in its present form actually started thousands of years ago. During the first 2,500 years of man's history, there was no written word. God spoke through a few specific men, which we will study in future lessons. He also used other ways of communication, such as nature, dreams, visions, angels, and symbols. He communicated in many ways, but the main way he spoke before the introduction of the Bible was through man's conscience. So he spoke mainly through man's conscience. The beginnings of the written word, and you can fill in what you want to here um, as I talk. The beginnings of the written word. The first person to see a written covenant of God was Moses. On Mount Sinai, the Lord inscribed a portion of the law on tablets of stone with his finger. Then Moses was told to put the tablets of stone inside a holy, sacred place called the Ark of the Covenant. In time, the scribes of Israel were very carefully began to write on leather, clay, wood, and other things. Eventually, paper was used. For all the you all that like history, this is pretty interesting. I've never really been a history buff, but I do enjoy finding out really where the Word of God started and how it all. I don't think about that when I open up my paper Bible that it really started all these years ago, not on paper. Enforced reading of the Word was a strong way of preserving the law as well. Every Israelite was required to hear someone read all of God's written laws every seven years. Through a lifetime, a Jew would have heard the word read about 10 or 12 times. This continual reading of the Bible put God's word as a priority in their lives. I nannied an Orthodox Jewish family in St. Louis, and I was privileged to go to the synagogue one time. And I sat in the back as the man in front read to the whole synagogue. That was what they did. There was two of them facing each other. And they still go to synagogues and are read the word, the Torah, different things out loud. It's pretty interesting. They came up with a plan to make sure that every letter was copied exactly. The original Hebrew scriptures were copied and translated for many generations. Then in the 1450s, the first Bible was printed. The accuracy of the printing press and lower cost for books has placed the word of God in many people's hands. The King James Version was published in 1611. Other translations are available in English and other languages. It was a long road from the first day God spoke to Adam until today. Now, here's some interesting facts about the Bible. Number one, it is God-inspired. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Um, I didn't ask Sister Star ahead of time. If somebody's got that, would they read it out loud? 2 Peter 1, 20. 21. 
For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Let's do 120 first, the one before that. That's all right. Knowing this first, that no script, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I love when they use the word Holy Ghost, even though this is in the New Testament. It's saying how the men from the beginning were moved by the Holy Ghost because we all know that Jesus is God and the Holy Ghost, all three in one. That's a whole nother lesson, but I get excited when I realize the scriptures, how it lines that up. It's just, it's awesome. The Bible is God inspired. In the Bible, there were at least 32 writers covering 3,600 years of man's history. These books were written in different ages, different countries, and by different men. Yet when their writings became one book, there is not even one contradiction. The most intellectual men could not pull off the feats of knowledge contained in the Bible without the inspiration of God. The words, thus saith the Lord, appear over 300 times. The Bible is either God's word to man or it's not. There's no middle ground. The bottom line is the Bible is God inspired. When you think about all of those men collaborating, not together, but writing, and there's not one contradiction I tell people today, in today's time, I'm, I don't understand how you could not believe in the word of God when it was written so long ago and the things that are happening. How can anyone argue that the word of God is not true? It's not right and it's not God inspired. You're smarter than that. That's what I want to say. If you're so smart, the evidence is there. I, it blows my mind. Anyway. The Bible is the most popular book ever. The Bible is the best gift God ever gave to man. The American Bible Society has distributed over 860 million Bibles since 1816. The Bible in its completeness is now available in over 230 languages, more than there are nations on this earth. It has been published in more languages, more copies have been produced, and more people have read it in any other book in history. Can we get Matthew 24, 35, please? Matthew 24, 35. 24, 35, yes, ma'am. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Only half of 1% of all books published survive seven years. 80% of all books published are forgotten in one year. The Bible is over 2,000 years old, and it's today's bestseller. It doesn't matter how old it is or how many people criticize it. His word will never pass away. Amen. Number four, if you have your actual Bible, which I did not bring mine today of all days, but if you have your actual Bible, you can open it up, and at the very beginning... There's the table of contents in your Bible. The Bible isn't just one book. It is a library of books compiled into one volume. The Bible is divided into two testaments, the old and the new. God's agreement with man about salvation before he came in the flesh as Jesus Christ is called the Old Testament. 
God's agreement with man about salvation after Christ came is called the New Testament. How many books are in the Bible? There is a total of 66, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. I learned when I was in younger in Sunday school, 39, so 3 times 9 is 27. So if you remember 39 in the Old, then multiply it, then you'll remember there's 27 in the New. Each testament is divided into sections. The Old Testament begins with the law. This includes the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. These books have the story of creation, the flood, and how the Jewish people began. The next 12 books are the history of the Jewish people. Then there are five poetry books. Next, there are the major prophets and the minor prophets. This is a lot of information I'm giving you, and I do know that I shared this before. There's a few of you are sitting here that did not hear it. The first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels or the life of Christ. If you've been around pastor long enough to know, he loves to preach out of the Gospels. These are the records of when Jesus walked on earth, taught his apostles, died on the cross, rose again, and many other details. Acts, the next book, is the actions of the apostles after Christ ascended. And Romans through Jude were letters to the churches and writings of the apostles. Revelation, the last book, is prophecy of the end time. So just I'm just going to ask a, just a poll real quick. Um, how many of you are really familiar, let's just say, with the book of Nehemiah? How many are familiar with the book of Psalms? I'm more familiar with the book of Psalms. Um, there's lots of Bible books, and I have to be honest, I'm not as familiar with a lot of them because I'm, I'm prone to turn to certain ones, songs, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and then I love Ephesians and Galatians. And But someone just holler out what your favorite book of the Bible to really get into and read. Just holler it out. You said Amos? I'm interested to hear about Amos. I'd like to know why that's for the little's famous favorite. Who? Somebody else said something over here. Yes, Brenda? Revelation. You know why? Probably because you're really excited because that we read the back of the book and we win, right? So I love you, Brenda. This is my friend, and it's just been kind of funny. She's been coming for a good while. So if you've not made your way over to say hi to Brenda... Please do so. I finally went back there. She's waving at everybody. But I'd ask her probably three times, and I'm so bad with names. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You've told me, but what's your name again? And she said, Brenda. And I said, that is my mother's name. How could I forget that? And then I said, I, my mom's Brenda Kay. And she says, well, I'm Brenda Faye. So <laughs> I love it. I won't ever forget your name, but I am so thankful you're coming to First Church and I don't always get off the piano on time, but yeah. And thank you for participating in the Bible study. But Revelation, Emma was working on a little assignment from college, and it's she had to write about the apocalypse. Is that how you say it? Apocalypse. And apocalypse means revelation, and that's what I talked about. Am I already out of time? Oh, so good. Okay, I'm going to hurry. Um, I, I'm not going to get through this. Um, can you all try to hold on to these papers so I don't have to make more copies? Because that's a disaster. We all, if you don't want to hold on to them and want to bring them back up here on the altar, then I can redistribute them if you have it written on them. Either way. But, um, boy, I see, I'm grateful for my husband. He's like, he's not laughing at me. 
Are you? Though. Shall we stand? I'm sorry. Okay. So I do encourage you more than anything, because we can come back to this about the Word of God, but this is November. Let's take this little challenge and write down, not just this, but write down on a piece of paper, start, start a journal, a journal of thanksgiving and gratitude, and I promise you, it will help you, even in your darkest moments, when you find something inside of you to be grateful for. Everything we go through, everything in this life, is to give God glory, and I think it's easier to give God glory when we find something to be thankful and grateful for. I love all of you. Here's Pastor. Very good, Sister Shay. I'm grateful today for Sister Shay. And uh, she was talking about that attitude of gratitude. When she started singing that song, Sister Holligan, just want to tell you, I saw that sweet little lady she was talking about. And I was thankful today for that memory. I'm thankful for a memory of a mother that instilled in me that attitude of gratitude. And we're blessed and so thankful for God's word. That's something that all of us can be thankful for is the word of God. And I am excited to come back. I'm, I'm excited to find out how many of you, when Sister Shea's scheduled to speak next, are going to bring that piece of paper back. That's going to be interesting. To, we're going to take a poll on that, and we'll have some backups just in case. The Lord's good. God bless you. Take a break. We're going to have a wonderful time in worship in just a few moments.